Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, listen, if uh, you are uh, here for the very first time, we're so grateful that you're here. Uh, we've been expecting you and um, really believe that God has something special in the store for us. We uh, embarked in a series last week entitled Beyond. And the whole premise of, of the series is that God really wants you to live a life beyond what you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And the, the heartbeat behind it came, uh, I'm, I'm not going to show this to you on the screen, but I, I'm actually just going to tell it to you. Um, the heart came from a Paul, uh, from a, a letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Um, he wrote a letter to them, and in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul was pumped. The Apostle Paul was so excited. This is a guy who, who once hated Christians but encountered Jesus, and his life was radically changed, and he, he was really praying for the church. And he said, listen, my prayer for you guys is that you would be strengthened in your inner man by the power of God's spirit. And then he starts getting even more excited. He said, and I want you to be rooted in love. And he says, on top of that, I want you to be filled to the fullness of God. Then he comes to this massive crescendo where Paul is almost probably shouting. And he says, because God is able to do abundantly beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine by the power of his spirit that's at work in us. Now, what's so exciting about that is normally that passage is taken and people use it for external purposes. But Paul was saying, no, no, no. God does want to do great things on the outside. But what God wants to do on the inside of you is beyond. And if, and if there's a beyond happening on the inside of you, it doesn't matter what's happening externally. You're going to have an incredible 2018. And that's our heart for you. I want to speak to you today from the subject of living beyond limits. Living beyond our limits. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask for your great strength. I thank you that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. I thank you, God, that you have a word for us. So I pray that, Lord, we would leave this place shook to the core, that we would leave this place with such a reality of who you are, a more intimate knowledge of you, and that, God, we would never be the same. Lord, let us not be the same as we came in. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Is anybody uh, like sunsets or sunrises? Yeah? How many of you guys say, I love the sunsets, sunrise? Uh, you like those, the comforter a little bit too, too much? You love to hit the alarm on the sunrise. But I think all of us, if you've seen a sunset or a sunrise, they're just spectacular. They're beautiful. I remember I was in Israel one time. And, yeah, like, yeah, I was in Israel. And, uh, and I went down to the Sea of Galilee at like 5 in the morning because I wanted to be like Jesus. And, uh, and there's these, these hills on the backside of the Sea of Galilee called the Golan Heights. And I remember just uh, wanting to see the sunrise because I thought, man, Jesus must have saw this picture so many times. And it was so nostalgic. And then I saw jet skis on the Sea of Galilee and it kind of ruined the whole thing. Um, but, but there's nothing like a sunset or a sunrise. In fact, this last week uh, I was sick with the flu for four days, fever for four days. Anybody ever experienced that? Come on, it's amazing. God speaks. When you're down. And, uh, but I, I learned a little bit about the, the ISS or the International Space Station. And what was really interesting to me is I did not realize that if you were on the ISS, you will see 16 sunsets per day. 16 sunsets every 24 hours. In fact, 
Uh, if you were on the ISS, they are right now about 220 miles above the earth. They're traveling at about 17,150 miles per hour, causing them to orbit the earth one time every 90 minutes. Is that not spectacular? And then they get to see 16 sunrises and sunsets every single day. Now, unfortunately, you and I, we are, are a little bit limited uh, by this thing called gravity, where we have the luxury of seeing one sunrise and one sunset every day um, if we rise or if we take the time to actually go out and look at the sky. But, but I want to introduce you to somebody. Let me show you a picture of uh, Scott Kelly. Now, this is going to be a picture of his Instagram. Um, there we go. Uh, you guys can follow him. He's on the International Space Station as we speak. Now, Scott Kelly loves taking snapshots since he's looking at so many sunrises and sunsets. He says, hey, maybe I should take some pictures of these things. Uh, but he loves taking pictures on Instagram and posting them of all the sunrises and all the sunsets. He's on a 342-day mission, which he will see 10,944 sunrises and sunsets. Compared to our whopping 684 uh, just in this 342-day journey. Now, I'm no rocket scientist, pun intended, but it appears to me that the higher you are, the more you can see. And, and as, as I, as I kind of thought about that, I really believe that God wants us to reach higher this year. He wants us to reach higher. In fact, it reminds me of a passage found, uh, uh, spoken by the prophet Isaiah on behalf of the Lord, who says, even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, I started to think the only thing that's different between Scott Kelly and you and I is that he had a vessel to take him beyond his limits into a different atmosphere. And I thought, man, with all due respect to the International Space Station and with all due respect to Mr. Scott Kelly and the astronauts and all of their rocket ships, there is no greater vessel than the vessel that God has given us to live beyond our limits, to take us and cause us to live in a brand new atmosphere while standing on the ground. And if you're taking notes, you're going to want to jot this down. His name is the Holy Spirit. Sorry, Scott Kelly, International Space Station, you've been outnumbered. But the Holy Spirit gives us access far beyond our limits. This is like probably my favorite passage of the day. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, normally... People, oh, it's, it's there and there. Uh, <laughs> normally, people stop there. But the passage continues. This is the best part. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Come on, if that does not fire you up and light a, a fresh little flame on the inside of you to say, wow, 
I want to know some of the deep secrets of God. Listen, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for them. No ears heard, no eye has seen. He takes us beyond all of our senses, beyond all of our limitations, and lets us in to even the deep secrets of God. That's a vessel. That's a powerful vessel. And so, so if you're taking notes, here's the bottom line for today. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Here's the bottom line. <clears throat> you guys ready for it? That relationship with the Holy Spirit lifts off the lids to our limits. You, you know what, what a lid is, right? You, you come to a certain point and you hit a lid. But in our life, we're going to hit tons of lids. But relationship with the Holy Spirit lifts off the lids to our limits. Which means apart from the Holy Spirit, you're going to live a very limited life. Limited in, in, in multiple areas. First of all, maybe you're, this is your first time to church, you're new to this whole thing. Um, the Holy Spirit is essential uh, to salvation. Meaning you cannot be saved apart from the Spirit of God. And so what that means is apart from the Spirit of God, you will be limited in your relationship with God. Period. Because there's, you cannot be saved apart from the Spirit of God. You're going to be limited in your love. Which I don't know about you, but love, it affects our relationships. So if you're limited on love, it's going to affect relationships in your life because the Holy, the Holy Spirit is the one that produces fruit on the inside of us. Love, joy, peace. Inside of us, you're going to be blind as goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He produces fruit on the inside of us. You're going to be limited in your purpose because the Holy Spirit has gifts that he's placed in you that you may not even know about yet. And he wants to give you more gifts to fulfill the purpose that God has called you to in this world. And so apart from the Holy Spirit, you're going to struggle with your purpose. You're going to be limited in your purpose. And, and then, then also, this is, this, is, this is probably one of my, my favorite ones, especially as a follower of Jesus, is that apart from the Holy Spirit, you're going to be limited in power. I mean, imagine if you're only if if you're only operating, uh, if you're only operating with one third of the Godhead, then you're only at two thirds capacity. I think it's like that, something like that. But I don't want to be at two thirds capacity. I want to be at full capacity. Are you guys tracking with that? But but here's here's what breaks my heart is that as important as it is to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I know some of you guys are thinking like, what, who is, what? We're going to get there, don't, just relax. Who is the Holy Spirit? I got you, don't worry. But one of the things that, that really breaks my heart is, is the state of the church and the relationship in regards to the Holy Spirit. I, I love what A.W. Tozer said. It crushed me but fired me up at the very same time. Look at A.W. Tozer said. He said it like this. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. In other words, we don't want to be a church that just plays church. That entertains people or maybe has some, some good speaking, a little bit of good music, takes good care of your kids. No, we, we, we can't afford to be a church like that. We want to be a church. Listen, the church that changed the world was a church that was operating in the fullness of the spirit. And our world is in desperate need of hope, in desperate need of life, in desperate need 
of an injection of good news that just doesn't come with word, but comes with a demonstration of power in the process. Are you guys tracking with that? Yeah. You clapped it. That's awesome. But now I, I know some of you guys are like, yeah, this is exciting. Who is this guy? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down. The first thing I just want to let you know about the Holy Spirit is, is that he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Uh, here at Fountain Church, I don't have time to break all this down, but I do want to declare this so that you guys can hear it and you guys can research it and we can dialogue afterwards if necessary. But we believe in the eternal Godhead, which people would call the Trinity. Uh, God in three persons, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so the, the Holy Spirit is, is the third person of the eternal Godhead. Now I know, say that ten times fast and think about that, it's your mind blown. But it's, it's really important that, that we understand this, that the Holy Spirit uh, is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not some type of weird force flowing. Even though uh, it's pretty amazing, some of his work may be unseen or he may be a little bit incognito and stealth at how he operates, but he is fully God. He is a he. In fact, let me show you from the scripture um, where the strict where, where this kind of paint this picture for you. I'm going to show you here in the passage of Scripture, you're going to see all three, Father, Son, and Spirit. And this is all over the text, starting in Genesis. I, I, could, I could take you throughout the multiple texts in the New Testament, but just look at it with me. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I meaning Jesus is speaking. And so we see very clearly here, Father, Son, Spirit. We're, we're going to look at a couple other passages today, and you're going to see very clearly that it says the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. The Holy Spirit is a someone, not a something. Are you guys tracking with that? Look at this passage in Acts chapter 5. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Then it goes on to say, you know, they pocketed some cash and they told the Lord they were going to do something and they actually didn't do it. And look what, look what Peter went on to say. You have not lied to just human beings, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. Secondly, if you're taking notes, <laughs> definitely going to want to jot this one down. All right. Second thing is this. The Holy Spirit is not weird. A lot of times when we start, start talking about the Holy Spirit, people just get freaked out. Like, what? what? I don't think King James did a, a, a good job either. In 1611, he, he gave him the coin phrase, Holy Ghost, scared all the kindergartners, right? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today, kids, we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost, right? Bad translation because the, the, the real translation for spirit is the, is the word pneuma. Um, uh, pneuma in the Greek and the word ruach in the Hebrew. And if I can just sum it all up, it really means the Holy Spirit is a breath of fresh air. Just a breath of fresh air um, into our lives, into our souls. He's not strange. He is not weird. People are weird. Right? Like, if you see somebody with the Holy Spirit that's weird, I promise you they were weird before the Holy Spirit. And then they got the Holy Spirit and they were even more weird. I remember Jackie and I... Jackie and I, we walked into, uh, we were invited to this church one time. You know how some churches, they're scary. 
went into this church one time, and it was like behind a restaurant. A friend had invited us. It was a small, I don't know if it was a startup or church plant, but we walked in, and everybody, it was like flip-flops and and uh, nothing wrong with flip-flops, but everybody was like like super casual sitting in circles, and everybody had a drum. You know, one of those little drums. And it was kind of like, hi, welcome. <laughs> I looked at Jack, I'm like, man, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, and he's saying, run. <laughs> this may be in my name, but this is not who I am. Get out of here. And so there, there's, people have done a lot of strange and weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He doesn't bark, you know, won't have you barking like a dog, won't have you swinging from chandeliers. That, you know, some of you guys are already looking, is there chandeliers in this place? What's going on? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. But he's not weird. He's not strange. And um, I, I, I got to tell you that he's gotten such a bad rap. The enemy has tried to rap um, and, and label the Holy Spirit really around one gift, which is speaking in tongues, where people get so freaked out. And, and, and there have been a lot of abuses in the church with gifts and, hey, I'm getting a word from God. You should write me a check for 10000 on the TV, right? That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the Spirit of God. Even though the Spirit of God can speak in such ways, the enemy would love to make a mockery so that we would shut him out because he knows where the power source lies. So listen, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Are you guys tracking with that? So, so let, me, let me give you a, a, a couple of, uh, of avenues. So because he's not, we need to be in relationship with him. And because he is God and because he's not weird, I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 in the message version. He says, do not grieve God then. Don't break his heart. Oh, listen to this verbiage. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. And so I thought, there's, listen, we, we're going to do an entire series on the Holy Spirit because we just don't have time to encompass everything about him in one service. Are you guys tracking? Even if we had multiple series, we couldn't contain everything. But, but I want to give you three things that when, when somebody gives you a gift, you simply do what? Yeah, you receive it. And so there are three things as we think about being in relationship with the Holy Spirit, three aspects of, of you know, he's a gift to us. And three aspects that you and I can receive him into our life and receive uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit in, in three particular ways. And the first one, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down, is you can receive his guidance. You can receive his guidance. Look what uh, John chapter 16, verse 13 says. It says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. See, I, I think what's so awesome here is look what it says. It says, he will speak on his own. Very clearly, the Holy Spirit speaks. So if you're ever wondering, does the Holy Spirit still speak today? The number one way the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you is through God's word. But the Holy Spirit knows how to speak directly to your heart. He knows how to speak. He is not an it. He is a person. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet 
to come. Now, when you think about the Holy Spirit guiding us, number one way he's going to speak to you is through his word. But as I started to think about the Holy Spirit guiding us, he doesn't just guide us in what to do. He also guides us in what not to do, right? Like if, I, if I'm in an argument with Jackie, he may say, ooh, don't go there, right? Or, or hey, Matt. You better get that off your chest before you go to bed, young man. You don't want to, you better release your wife from that anger. I'm like, me and Jackie, we don't always fight. I'm just using it as an example. Uh, but this, this is how he speaks. Uh, some of you ladies right now, you're like, Father, fill him with the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Um, but the Spirit of God wants to guide you, to lead you in a very personal and intimate way. Many of you guys remember the story that... Um, we, were, we had prayed for a lady on a Sunday at church who had cancer, and we ended up going out to dinner to Tippenyaki, which is Japanese, where you all sit around the table with different families. And just so happened, by the providence of God, we ended up sitting at that table with the woman we prayed for, and we had no, I never even met her before. I was praying for her with one of her friends. So you guys remember that story. Many of you guys remember that story. And, and she was shocked. It was a God moment for her because God met her. Here she is, stage four cancer, wondering, man, what's going to happen with my life? And she says, you guys are the one that have been praying for me. And so long story short, um, I, I remember sitting at that table and I was tired. You know, it was after church on a Sunday and growth track and um, and we had waited for like an hour um, to get our seat. And there was some miscommunication on who was going to show up and who wasn't. So it was just one of those nights like, I just want to just eat. And, uh, and I remember sitting down at the table and I was like, I'm not going to engage in conversation. Nope, I'm not telling them I'm a pastor. Nope, I'm just going to eat, spend time with my family. And that was great, except the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not. <laughs> Excuse me, he said, no, you're not. He says, you need to start a conversation. And so I did. And that's how that whole thing unfolded. Well, let me fast forward because there's a second chapter to that. I got a call several weeks back that, um, that Lisa had passed away, but she requested I do her funeral. And so I got to honor her and preach the gospel to almost 700 people at her funeral. Um, so glad that I listened to a small prompting of God's spirit. Because so many lives um, have been impacted as a result, including my own. I was blown away like, I'm hearing from God. This is great. <laughs> this is awesome. But the Spirit of God, he will guide you into all truth. And one of the ways he does that, uh, the, one of the ways he speaks to us is through conviction. Now, now let me show you a passage of Scripture. John chapter 16. He says this, and when he comes, he, here you go, he, not, not it, but he. You guys tracking with that? All right. Um, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, now this, is, this is really interesting because normally the way that we phrase this or we've learned this is, hey, God wants you to know that, hey, you're not a good person. And if you don't start living right, I'm going to judge you. And, and, and that's true to a certain degree. But that's not the context of this passage. In fact, we go on and to understand that exactly what Jesus is, is conveying here. He says, because he gives us the answer to, to why. He says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Meaning the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's role was not to come and condemn. 
but was to come and convict so that we would see that we are in need of a Savior. But you, you, can't, you, you don't know if you're in need of a Savior. You, you can't appreciate the good news until you understand there's some bad news. Are you guys tracking with me? That's what makes the gospel good news is because we look at our bad news and Jesus says, I got your bad news covered with this good news of what I'm getting ready to do on the cross. And so the Spirit of God is saying, oh. And it's this godly sorrow that, that, that kind of comes over us. And we, we understand and we begin to, to see that we are in need of a Savior. And because the Holy Spirit knows that's where life is best lived. So it's, it's not a negative He's moving us towards life. But then it says, because, then it says concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, crucified, death, raised from the dead, ascend on high to the Father, sit at the right hand, make intercession for us. And he says, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now, this word righteousness, it does not mean living righteously even though the Holy Spirit will move us to live righteously, but that's not the context of this passage. This word righteousness, it simply means right standing with God. So once we've trusted Jesus as our Savior, he wants to convict us to understand that we are in right standing with God. Now, now this is awesome because... Um, uh, looking through the commentaries, uh, Robert Morris has done a great job on some of this Holy Spirit breakdown stuff. But one of the, one of the things that, that's so, that it, as I was studying this, I never saw this before, is this word convict, it has two meanings. The first meaning is to convict as if in a court of law. And the second meaning, it means to convince. And in this particular context, it's better used convince. And so, so what he's saying is, after I want to convince you that you're in need of a Savior, after that I want to convince you that you are in right standing with God, not because of what you've done, not because of any of the works you've done, not because of you're trying to have a great day and please God. No, purely because of what Christ has done on the cross for you, period, that you are in right standing with God. And then he goes on to say, he says, uh, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, in John chapter 12, verse 31, we know this ruler is Satan. It says this in John chapter 12, verse 31. Now, the judgment. It's not going to be on the screen, so just hang tight. Now, the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, Jesus is speaking of the devil. He's speaking of Satan. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and he's saying, man, I'm, I'm stripping him of all his authority. I'm stripping him of his dominion. And, and so, so when you look at this, this context, all the above, it's almost as if this, the Holy Spirit is to convince us that we need a Savior. To convince us that as a result of receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are in right standing with God. And as a result of that, the enemy has no more authority over our life. How many of you guys know, listen, when you're standing in that place, when you're living... When you're living in that place, you will be living beyond your limits. You will be living beyond your limits. The second one is this, is receive his comfort. So receive his guidance. The second one is to receive, receive his comfort. Now, let me, let me, let's go to the text real quick. It says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus is writing this. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I go, 
I will send him to you. Now, this word comforter can be translated in a lot of different ways. Helper, counselor, advocate. One that, that goes before you. The, in the Greek, the word is, is parakletos, which simply means one that comes alongside of you. And the picture is like this. The picture is of two Roman soldiers standing back to back with shields. It was like the Holy Spirit saying, I got your back, right? I got, I got, you, I got you covered. And I started to think a comforter. So come on, you know we got to do this. A comforter. I've been sick all week. I've never been this sick in my life outside of being hospitalized as a kid. Ah, oh, this is the favorite part of the sermon right here. When I, when I thought about uh, what makes the comforter so amazing is that, number one, you can use it unless it's for decor at your house. Um, but what makes the comforter so awesome is, is, it, is it, it covers you. Like all week, I had a fever for four days in a row, night sweats, all that stuff. And when you have to get up and drive like four times in the night, it's pretty rough. Um, but I just remember looking for the comforter. Oh, yeah. And this one is not down. By the grace of God, thanks to Chuck and Cheryl, we have a down one. So we have some feathers in ours, right? Um, but, but, but it's the fact that, that it covers you. That's what brings the comfort. So I started thinking in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, look what it says. Now the earth was formless and empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. It was chaos is, is the word that's used there. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I thought this was so awesome because th this word hover, it, it, it's the word paramine. And, and, it, and it, means, it means a couple of things. It means, it means both time and space, meaning this, in regards to time, I'm right there. Or, 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 or I, I'm here now, and I'm also right there. Uh, I'm sorry, that's space. Now for time, it's I was just there, and now I am here. It, it's just this, this, this picture of I'm everywhere. I, I'm, I've got you surrounded, 360. But it also means to lovingly flutter. So I thought, oh, man. So imagine the Spirit of God is still hovering today over our, over our chaos, over our emptiness, over our void. Listen, he's right there and he's right here. It's, he's now and he's then. And longs to invade our voids with beauty. I mean, I just got this picture of all the chaos, all the stuff that's formless in my life, all the things that still need to be complete. The Holy Spirit lovingly flutters. It's almost the idea of a hummingbird flying over like, I got you. I got you. And I want to invade that space with beauty, with life, with wholeness. He's our comforter. 
Come on, if that doesn't, listen, when you realize he is your comforter, you will live beyond your limits. When you know that he is with you at all times, you will not be afraid as you step into new territory, as you step into different areas, as you face the things that God is calling you to face. You will not be afraid because the comforter goes with you. And then lastly is this, and Jeff, if you come up and play for me, that would be great, is to receive his power. Receive his power. <clears throat> In other words, we would say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. Now, let, let me break this down just, just for a quick moment as we wrap up. Look what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know how I know that this is still for today, that the Holy Spirit still wants to empower us? is because this ends of the earth thing, we've not got there yet. And we are still in desperate need of the Spirit's power in our life to be witnesses on this earth. Now let me tell you how this works. How do I receive His power? And there's been a lot of confusion around the baptism of the Holy Spirit and filling of the Spirit, and I don't have time to do a, a dissertation on it, but I, I want to give you a little bit of context, is that the moment you confess Jesus as Lord, God places His Spirit on the inside of you. You don't get JV Holy Spirit, you know, you don't get, you know, kindergarten Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit. Paul said it's the Spirit of God in Ephesians chapter 4 that seals you to the day of redemption. It's, he seals us. It's He's like the engagement ring as we wait for the return of Christ to say, you belong to me. And as the Spirit of God is placed on the inside of us, like I said, we don't get junior JV Holy Spirit. We get the Holy Spirit. But then there's this, this thing called baptism of the Holy Spirit. What in the world is that? And there's been so much confusion over, you know, entire denominations have been uh, built around this one idea. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, uh, a lot of false doctrine had crept into the church and said, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Spirit, and all this crazy stuff. That's not the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you, you know, uh, get the Holy Spirit for the first time. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Well, that word filled is a continuum in the Greek. It means be being filled. Don't stop being filled. Like it's not, it's not just a, a, a one-time deal. There's this, this ongoing availability to sit under the spigot of the Spirit. But, 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 but here, here, here's the reality. It's not that you're, you're getting the, the Holy Spirit. This is how I would define the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is available to us today, and not just once, but over and over and over again. It's an outpouring of the Spirit's power in our life for Christ-exalting ministry and personal sanctification. Sanctification is a big word, personal growth in Christ. And so this is available to us today. An outpouring of the Spirit's power in our life. And, and it may seem very mystical, but, but it's really not as, as much as you think. Now, whenever you look in the book of Acts and it says they were filled with the Spirit and they were filled with the Spirit, stuff happens, signs, wonders, miracles, all the above. Amazing. But, but, but here's the deal. And just like, can I just throw in there speaking in tongues? There's nothing weird about that. So if you've been afraid of that or if you've had a bad experience, I'm sorry. It's probably just a weird person. 
Um, Paul even said, listen, if somebody, if somebody stood up right now and started speaking in tongues, if you're new, you'd look and you'd, Paul said, that would look weird. That's why we don't do that because there's a sense of order unless it comes with a prophetic word at the end of that, unless it comes with an interpretation. Everybody's gonna look at like, what? Who's blabbling over there? Paul acknowledges that. What Paul was saying is, listen, Holy Spirit is not weird. You just have to understand context. So <laughs> that's for free. But it's not, it's not just as, you know, miraculous as much as it is miraculous. But it also plays out very practically. Let me show you Exodus chapter 31. First person recorded to be filled with the Spirit. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Beziel, son of Uriah, the son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah. And look it, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Now in the Old Testament, normally the Spirit would come on men and empower them. But this is the only one... Uh, the first recording, he filled him with the Spirit of God. And look, look, look what he filled him with, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Now, that doesn't sound like a key candidate. That, he's not a preacher. He's not a missionary. But this is his call. This is how he's going to witness. He's going to build the tabernacle, which is going to hold the very presence of God. This is what God has called him to. God calls you. Listen, when he fills you with his spirit, he empowers you to do what you do a hundred times better. And wisdom. And, and that's not crazy. That's not craziness. Does this sound crazy to you? Understanding, wisdom, knowledge. Artistic design? Shit, that sounds like HG channel. <laughs> he wants, listen, you have a purpose. God has designed you in such a unique way. And that purpose ultimately is to be a witness. Let me show you what this looks like. I think I got a great illustration from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. This is, this is how he describes it, but I'm going to use my daughter instead. So we, we go walking on the trail behind my house all the time. And my daughters will just come up and just take my hand. It's just normal for us. We'll just walk. and That's a great picture of salvation. It's just good. Like we're walking their security. They know that their daddy loves them. They know that their daddy cherishes them. They know that if a little bobcat jumps out, daddy's going to protect them or throw mom in front, one of the two. Uh, like they, they know. And it's just good. Just walking and doing life. There's, we still have an effective relationship. All is good. But then I just get this moment where, you know, I just want to sweep up one of my daughters. hug them, tell them how much I love them, how special they are to me. And then I want to lift them up. And I just want to say, I love you. You are my beloved. And, and I just want to just, just dote all over them. And, I, and, and that's where Martin Lloyd-Jones stops. So I'm like, with all due respect to the great Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I want to take it a step further. Then you know what I would do? Because this is what I would do. I grab them and then I put them on my shoulders and I run. And they're laughing 
and they're giggling and they're excited. They're just feeling so overwhelmed by the love and the joy that when I put them down, they're like, they don't even know what to do with themselves. <sighs> That's the difference. That's the difference with the baptism with the filling of the Spirit of God. That is the difference between somebody telling you about Jesus and a witness for Jesus. Oh, I got to tell you about, I got to tell you, oh man. It's the witnesses that are going to change the world. Not just people giving you information about the one to come who have experienced his loving embrace. Can you imagine being lifted up by God, embraced in his arms, feeling the joy, the security, the overwhelming sense of his love and adoration, commitment, power, protection. That's what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. And that's available to all of us today. All of us today. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit because this relationship with the Holy Spirit will lift off the lids 